But I say unto you, Love thyself, and smite thine enemies. Be really anxious about tomorrow. It's gonna be bad. Ask, and it will be withheld from you. Knock, and I'll probably pretend I'm not home. Please silence your cell phones and take out your Bibles as we welcome Pastor John Goble to continue our series, Things Jesus Didn't Say. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be back. Thank you for loaning me out. And I hear you're in good hands. Pastor Brian and Manny did a phenomenal job, didn't they? I thought I, I got to tune in and watch. And so I'm blessed. We're thankful to have such a great team. And uh, I love having different perspective and speakers, too. So um, they did a great job. Hey, if you're new, welcome. Uh, my name's John. I'm the lead pastor. And we're glad you're here. If there's Anything you need, there's a little communicator card in your, in your seat rack in front of you. Please fill that out. Let us know if there's any way we can serve you, any questions you may have. Uh, but that's the best way we can, uh, we can know how to serve or what we can do to come alongside you. So if you'll just put that in the tithe and offering containers, as well as tithes and offerings, make that part of your worship today. It's a joy to bring your first tenth back to God, to bring that to the Lord and bring that to his house. It's just amazing blessing. So whether you do that by check or online, it's not about how, it's about your heart. So make that part of your worship this morning as well. Um, real quick, if you haven't, uh, if you're new with us, we do family service every fifth Sunday. So anytime there's a fifth Sunday. And by the way, next week I'm going to be sharing a little surprise. We're changing up our fifth Sunday. So uh, that's all I'm going to tell you. You have to be here next week to hear kind of what's going on there. So, uh, but next week we're doing baptisms and dedications. We have, uh, we've got one, one baptism and one dedication. So there's room if you want to get baptized or if you want to dedicate your child. And so at Westridge, uh, we believe in water baptism and we also believe in dedicating children as well as Jesus was dedicated. So uh, just sign up today. You can go to Info Central. If you can let us know, the earlier the better so we can prepare for you and plan for your families and all those things. So uh, if you'll do that today before you head out as well, that'd be helpful. All right, we're going to continue this series. Uh, we're going to have some fun this morning and uh, things Jesus didn't say. How many of you guys, you know, uh, thought Jesus said it, but you kind of came up with your, your and it was close, but you, you had your own idea what Jesus said. Uh, maybe it was what you were thinking or what you were feeling, and you said, well, this is what Jesus said, and then you come to find out it really wasn't what he said. Anybody did that before? You made your own gospel, basically, right? So, um, well, today we're going to talk about, uh, that, continue that, really what uh, Jesus didn't say, and today we're going to talk about uh, you get what you deserve. How many of you think God is out to get you, right? You get what you deserve. You sin, you deserve this punishment, you deserve, your, God is going to strike you with a lightning pole or whatever it is. For some reason, we have this idea that we get what we deserve. And I, look, I'm, I'm human like you, and, and we all have, uh, you know, really depraved hearts, and so I understand that. Um, but how many of you guys have struggled with guilt? Come on, you're in church. Online, you're in church too, right? We've all struggled with guilt or shame, right? Let me, let me give you a few. How many of you have ever dealt with food guilt? Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. You're going to go to a buffet after service, and you're going to be like, I shouldn't have had that fifth plate of food. It was just too much, right? Food guilt. Or, or you go to those, those restaurants where you drive through, and you get the number one. Yes, large, grande, supersized, mega-sized. Give me a vente, two ventes, double-fisted, right? And then you look at the calorie count, and you've just consumed all of your calories in one meal for the whole day, maybe even the week, if you, depending on where you're at, right? So it just is... That's food guilt right there. That's food guilt. You know, there's spiritual guilt too, right? How, you ever spiritual guilted yourself? I don't pray enough. I don't serve enough. I don't read the Bible enough, right? Or maybe you're doing well reading the Bible and you just had this chaotic week and so you missed a day. Oh, that's the worst. You missed a day. 
the Lord, the Lord just will not be with you today. Or a week, or a month, or some of you, maybe you haven't opened the Bible and read it in a long time. Spiritual guilt. Now, it's important, obviously, to read the word. I'm not saying that, but a lot of times we guilt ourselves. Now, that's not from God. God isn't guilting you. Scripture is very clear. There's no condemnation in Christ. But we, we really lay guilt on us. Sometimes the enemy starts it, and then we just infuse it. How about mom guilt? Any moms out there? Mom guilt, right? Working moms, you just want to be home more with your kids. You feel guilty that you should be home more. Moms that stay home with your kids, you feel guilty that you should be working. Dads and moms, how about that guilt when you're pulling in the church parking lot, you just berated your kid in the back seat. He's crying and you turn around and go, all right, Billy, let's go worship Jesus with tears running down his face, right? Parent guilt. Put your, put your happy face on, Billy. Get in there and worship. Parent guilt. How about pastor guilt? You know, we're human like you. I like uh, Doug Fields. He's a great youth pastor. He's been doing youth ministry for like 30 years. Um, but he always said it this way, and I loved how he said it. I put my pants on just like you do, Right? meaning we're human just like you are. I've got a family like many of you. I'm married like many of you. I've got four kids, not like many of you. So someday I feel like I'm serving well and leading well at the church, and then some days at home I feel like I'm just bombing it. We all feel it. We all encounter it. You know, as I was, I've been reading in Jeremiah. I've been studying Jeremiah personally, and... um, one of the things I have struggled with over the years is how people lived in the Old Testament. And I'm sure they struggled in the Old Testament looking towards, you know, when's that Messiah gonna come? What's it gonna be like when the Holy Spirit comes and that new covenant happens? So, uh, but looking back, I, I always wondered, like, because the Messiah hadn't died, his, shed, his blood hadn't been shed, you know, they'd, ha- they'd have to go offer sacrifices at the temple. And we do the same thing, don't we? We walk in this place sometimes with great hope and great expectation, but we also walk in with guilt and shame, realizing what we've done. And maybe we come to the altars and we lay it down to Jesus and we bring our care and we cast it upon him and then we pick it right back up. And we walk out the doors with the same guilt and shame that we walked in with. Now, Jesus didn't say, just just get through it. Just swallow the guilt, swallow the shame, get through it, get to heaven, and it'll all be better then. He said, I've come to give you abundant life. The very mission of Christ in Luke chapter 10 is to set free the captives, heal the brokenhearted, save the lost. His very mission, yet us as believers Although he didn't say, carry the guilt, carry the shame. We carry the guilt and we carry the shame. You know, this morning, I just want to talk about this idea of you get what you deserve. And we're going to look at Luke's gospel, chapter 23 of Luke's gospel. And we're going to look at the thief on the cross. Actually, we'll look at both thieves on the cross and Christ. And I want you to look at that. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to look at Jesus' heart. But let's, uh, let's read it first. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 and 33. This is actually the conversation. I know we got some kids in here, so I'll try not to be too gruesome, but 
the cross was the most excruciating. And I, I, I still believe, even today, I believe it is the worst way to take someone's life, to hang them on a cross. The pain is unbearable. Not only that, but before you got to the cross, you had to take lashes. And the Roman history, it says that 40 lashes would be death. Jesus, we know, was whipped with 39, one less than death. Could you imagine the shock and the pain that he felt? Maybe even coming in out of consciousness because he's lost so much blood, but when he came back to, they would make him carry the cross. Carry. Excruciating. In fact, the word excruciating in itself comes from the very word crucifixion. Ex-crucified. Excruciating pain comes from the reality of what is felt on the cross. But yet, I believe the, the word is so far from us understanding you know, we've used it many, it's excruciating pain. I don't think we ever felt what the Messiah felt. Not only the physical pain, but the spiritual pain of taking on the sin of the whole world. Taking on all your guilt and my guilt and your guilt. Taking on all my shame and your shame and your shame. Taking it all for the whole world. Here's what the gospel says in verse 32. Now this is, again, the conversation between two thieves and Jesus. They've already been flogged. They're hanging on the cross. History tells us that you, literally to get a breath, you'd have to push up. And somehow, there was this conversation between Jesus and the thieves. Now the sentences are short. Because think about it, they had to breathe up, take a breath, talk, and they'd be back down. So it's not like there's a lot of conversation. When Jesus spoke, it was very short sentences. Very powerful, but very short. And this is a conversation between the thieves and Jesus, starting in verse 32 of 23. It says this. It says, but, uh, sorry. It says, there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they were crucified with him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Now, there was also a conversation between the two thieves, and it went like this. They said, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and save us. Now, isn't that just like us as humans, telling God what he should do and how that should impact us? If you're really God, then you can save yourself and then you can save us. As if even on the cross we call the shots. The conversation goes on, but the other thief on the other side rebuked him. Listen to this. One criminal rebukes another criminal. They've probably done things together. Now, we're not talking about thieves that have pickpocketed. That's wrong. But we're talking about thieves that have done terrible things, that deserve the judgment of being on the cross. And he rebukes the other thief. Do not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation. And we, speaking of the thieves, we indeed justly, or we deserve, we deserve to hang on this cross. For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man 
has done nothing wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but something happened to that thief on the other side of Jesus. He realized that he was God. And not only did he realize it, but he corrected the blasphemy of the other thief. You know, so many times, and again, I'm I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just, I just want you to go down this path with me. There's things that we say. Again, Jesus didn't say it, but there's things that we say that are not God's heart. Again, it could, it could start, the enemy could plant the seed, but then we, we take the rest and we continue. And then sometimes for, at least for me, when you go down that road, your heart becomes hard. We'll say things like, and I think you could finish the sentence with me. What goes around comes around. Is that what Jesus said? Your past will come back to haunt you. I don't think the word haunt ever came out of Jesus' mouth. If you make your bed, you'll lie in it or you'll sleep in it. You're going to get what you deserve. Look, I understand we're human beings and we're not all perfect. I get all of that. But when we begin to harden our hearts in that kind of way, even as believers, we begin to view God in that same perspective. That even as believers, if I do something wrong, then I'm gonna be shamed or guilted by God. God doesn't guilt and shame. That's not what God does. That comes from the devil. Look, there's a consequence when we sin, absolutely. But when we harden our hearts so much that we can't even see God for who he is because we view God as this God that's out to get us or he's out to make our lives miserable because we've done something wrong, we can't see the heart of God. We get to this place, not only for God, but we can't even see people. Because anytime we see a person, and I understand Manny did a great job. Look, people hurt people, I get it. But when we read this passage, when we read this gospel, by the way, this is good news. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, if anyone had a right to look out and say, you're gonna get what you deserve, because Jesus was looking out on the cross and there's guards right there. There's probably the same guards that, that whipped him. There's probably the same guards that spit on him. There's people in the audience that probably yelled, crucify, crucify. There's John his, and his mother sitting there in the crowd. There's, but there's a lot more people that were cheering on the crucifixion of Christ. If there's any reason, if there was any person that had the right to look down and say, you're going to get what you deserve, it would be Jesus. But what did he say? Out of the few words that he said, he lifted himself up and said, Father, Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's the heart of our God. Now, I understand Jesus is also the judge, and there will be a time when he judges. And I'm thankful that he's the judge, 
I'm thankful it's not you or me. I'm thankful he's the judge, because he's a good judge, by the way. He's the righteous judge. But we live in a remarkable time given to us by Christ himself that we're to show grace, that we're to give grace. Just as you've received it, you're to give it freely. But yet too many times we listen to the one that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and we let him influence, and it hardens our hearts, and we begin to lose this aspect of who God is. Please remember, God didn't sit on that cross and say, you get what you deserve. God was hung on that cross and said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And you're lost. You don't know what you're doing. You're making a mistake. But I still forgive you. You know, again, just speaking to myself, I was going to Michigan in August, early August. Micah and I went early, and then my family went down later. And um, I think Micah was asleep, but we were driving down the Ohio Turnpike. You ever drive down the Turnpike? It's a good road. You travel pretty quick. 70 is the speed limit, 75. You know, that's the speed limit. You always get a five grace, right? Five, never under, just over, right? It's always 75. And I'm uh, <laughs> traveling down the highway. And this, this person, like, zips by me. Like, I, I, I'm doing 75. And he zips by me like I'm just sitting there. So he had to be doing 90 or 100. You know, he was, he was ripping along. You know, cool sports car and stuff was pretty good. And so I'm, I'm driving, you know, about eight, 10 miles down the road. I see him pulled over. <laughs> you get what you deserve. You know what came out of my mouth. Oh, you, you deserve it, right? You deserve it. I'm doing the jig, laughing. Of course, because it was him and not me and not you, right? But, right? I'm, I'm just a real person like you. But that's where our mind goes very quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. Get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. So what did Jesus say? The thief was on the cross. He rebuked the other thief. And then the thief turns and talks to Jesus. And this is what the thief says. And Luke 23, 42, he says, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, I'm perplexed by that statement, for one, because here's a thief and a sinner talking about a kingdom. He recognized that not only was Jesus the Messiah and he was God, but there, there was a kingdom that he wasn't a part of. Remember me when you go to your kingdom. He didn't say, God, forgive me of my sins. He didn't say, Jesus, I've messed up. Now, those aren't bad things. He did confess. He did say, Jesus, remember me when you get to your kingdom. Here's what I believe. Jesus knew what he was saying in his heart. Jesus knew that he was repenting. Jesus knew that he was recognizing his mistakes. And Jesus knew that he was acknowledging him as God. And look at what Jesus says in the very next verse. He replied, I say, assure, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. 
I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, that's really some beautiful grace, isn't it? That these two guys deserve to be crucified. Right? By the law, by the Roman standards, if anyone's to be crucified on the cross, these two fit the profile. And yet God looks at one of them and says, today, because of your confession and your faith, you'll be saved. I'm gonna send my grace and I'm gonna save you. And I don't believe for a second that God was deceiving us. I believe Jesus was emphatically being true, that he is the savior and he chose to save this man, forgive his sins and give him salvation. It goes against so many theological things and arguments in the church world today. I mean, think about it, this thief, this thief couldn't do anything to earn his right standing with God, right? He, he couldn't, he's nailed to a cross, what could he do? He couldn't walk the narrow, he couldn't change his life, he couldn't turn a new leaf. His life's over. He's basically waiting to die. There was, there's no way he could make things right in his own life, he's done. He couldn't be water baptized. Wait, you can go to heaven without being water baptized? Now, let me tell you something. Water baptism is an important step. And you're not hanging on the cross, so you should take that step. But this man didn't have that opportunity, but he was still saved. He couldn't go to church. He couldn't join a church. Jesus said, your sins will be forgiven. I'll show you grace and you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say you deserve hell. I mean, think about how that conversation could have went. If Jesus had the same heart that we did, which thank God he doesn't. He didn't look at him and go, boy, you get under my skin. You just drive me nuts. He didn't look at him and go, I don't like the way you look. He didn't look at him and say, you know, just a little while ago, there was that thing I did called the Sermon on the Mount. I saw you there. I saw you there. On the phone, texting your friends, not paying attention, <laughs> tweeting, Instagramming, taking a video, look at me, Sermon on the Mount, but you really didn't listen. Then he fell asleep at the end. Yeah, Jesus didn't say any of that. He could have, couldn't he? You know what else he didn't say? It's too late. How many of you said that? It's too late. I've done too much. I've sinned too many times. Can I just say this in a, a funny way? Give me a break. This guy's hanging on the cross because he did a lot more terrible things than we've done. But you measure your sin as great or my sin's greater, your sin's less. Let me tell you something. Jesus died for every sin. And he looked at that man who he could have said, look, it's too, 
you're going to die here in a few minutes. He could have said it's too late, but he didn't. He said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. So why do we do it? Why do we say things that Jesus didn't say? Why do we say it to ourselves? Why do we buy the lie and think that God is out to get us? Why do we buy the lie and say it's too late? Or God couldn't forgive me. Yes, he can. And yes, he will. He didn't say it's too late. He didn't say that you've sinned too much. He didn't say any of those things. You're saying it. The enemy said it to you and you bought the lie. Can I just tell you, I don't deserve to be your pastor. I don't deserve it. Before I met Christ, I lied. I've stole, I've cheated. I've hurt people. My mouth was foul. I've swore. I've blasphemed the name of the Lord many times in a rap. I'm not proud of my past. But if it comes down to whether we deserve it or not, there's not a person in this room that deserves to be in heaven. We've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. You know... Sometimes we look at that thief and we say, it's not fair. It's not fair. Like, he waited to the last minute. It's fair. It's fair. We don't live in a life of what's fair and what's unfair. We live in a kingdom that has a savior. And if he says he's saved, he's saved. And that's fair. And that's fair. Ephesians chapter two says this, and I love this verse. Verse four and five says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were, listen to this, dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins, made us alive with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. You see, that's what he did to this thief. He's dead in his sins. He was literally dead on the cross, but Jesus made him alive. The moment that he fell asleep, the moment that he left this earth, he was in paradise with Jesus instantly, instantly. You know that's the truth about you, don't you? A lot of times we fear death way too much. You're never gonna die. Jesus said it, not me. You're never gonna die. You'll leave this earth, but you'll be right with Jesus. You were once dead. I was once dead. All of us were once dead in our sins. None of us deserve heaven. But the beautiful good news of Jesus, the gospel is, is by your confession of faith and by his grace, you've been saved. You can't earn it. That's why I love the next few verses, Ephesians 8, makes it really clear. We mess it all up. We think we can earn our, our salvation. We can buy our way into Jesus' good graces. No, no, no. Let's read Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, because if it's of works, what will you do? What will I do? We'll boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we, should, that we should walk in them. Listen, that's relationship. You walk in them because you recognize the grace of God and you love him, not because you're trying to get something from him. Yes, you're gonna do good works, but it's gonna be out of love not out of transaction. 
You and I have been saved by grace because of our confession of faith. Just like that thief said, Jesus, you are God. Rebuked the one next to him on the cross. It took a lot of guts. You only got a few more words left on your life. And he made sure he corrected the one, honored God, and said, God, remember me. Changed his life. And it'll change yours too. Why am I giving this message? Because we're too hard on ourselves. As believers, we say things that Jesus never said. We put things on our shoulders that Jesus never said. That's why we need the word of God, because we need to be reminded of how good our God is. Psalm 103, 10 through 12 says this. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly. How many of you guys view God as a harsh God? He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. His unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Please, please, please stop running to the east and west and picking them back up. By the way, you can't do that anyway. Forgive yourself. God has forgiven you. Forgive yourself. Let God take away your shame. Let God take away your guilt. Let me close with this last visual. What if hypothetically, because the reality is, you and I should have been on that cross. The truth is we're all guilty, right? We're all guilty. Regardless of what your sin was, we're all guilty. What if we had that same conversation back and forth with Jesus and we asked Jesus to forgive us and to remember him in the kingdom and God said, today you'll see me in paradise. But as, as the Roman guard heard it, he let you down. He took you off the cross and he let you down. He let you live. Now it would have taken time to heal, of course, Right? Probably needed some medical attention, some therapy, all of those kind of things. But what if you recovered? How would you live? I promise you, you would be following Jesus. I promise you, we'd always remember that day. I promise you, you would remember what the Messiah did, the one in the middle, the one that did nothing, the one that was innocent, the one that saved me by grace. I promise you, your life would be different. And although this is a fun hypothetical situation, that's the truth. We should have been crucified. But Christ died for us so we can live. He died so we can have life. The good news is the thief went to heaven shortly after. But you and you and me, we have a life we can live. You're no longer dead, you're alive. You're not a sinner, you're a saint. Listen, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. You may mess up from time to time, but you just quickly say, God, I am sorry. This isn't a license to keep doing it. If you have guilt and shame because of something you did, change what you're doing. Ask for forgiveness and stop, stop. What is God's heart? How does he want me to live? If you got down from that cross, I promise you, you'd be looking to God. God, what do I need to be doing now? You wouldn't go back to the lifestyle you were doing. 
You wouldn't go back to thieving and stealing and being the thief that put him on the cross. You'd be living for Christ boldly, unashamedly. And that's my encouragement to you. If you've walked in here with guilt, if you've walked in here with shame, if you've walked in here or you're watching online and you haven't given your life to Jesus, it can change today, right now. Not because I say so, but because he died on the cross. He knows your name. He's not mad at you. He wants to bless you. He wants to grace you. And in your own words, all you've got to do is say, God, I am sorry. Look, notice the thief didn't say it in those terms. But Jesus knew his heart. And God knows your heart. You don't have to say it like me. You don't have to say it like your neighbor. You say it with your own heart. And you simply say, God, I am so sorry. And I need you. And I realize now that you died for me. Have you ever felt dead inside? Maybe it's been a while, maybe because you've been following Jesus, but maybe some of you haven't or you're watching this online. I remember before I came to Christ, I was, I was dead inside. I was, I was not happy with myself. I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I wasn't happy with really much of anything. Now on the outside, I looked happy, but I was dead inside. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. Come to Christ. Receive him as Lord and Savior and watch him take that death and make it alive. It's not something I can do. It's something only he can do. He paid for it. He paid the price for you. Stand to your feet, church. I just want to pray with you. Every eye closed. Don't worry about your neighbor. In fact, put yourself in a position to identify with maybe hang on the cross next to Jesus. Maybe that's where you are. You feel like you don't deserve God. You don't deserve his salvation. But I'm here to tell you, God's here to give you grace. He's here to forgive you. He's here to take away that shame and that guilt, that deadness in your heart right now. He's here to make it alive. He's here to make you a new creation. So if that's you this morning, you, you just want to give your life to Jesus. You Like that thief, you just want to turn to God and say, God, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to follow you. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? Thank you. Is there anyone else? Come on, lift your hands up. There they are. Anyone else? Maybe you've, maybe you've just been running away from God. And if you're online at home, you can raise your hand too. Maybe you've run away from God. It's time to come home. Your father is waiting with open arms to embrace you, to love you, to forgive you. Just come home. Lord, I just pray for every person in this room. Lord, thank you for those that are making commitments to you. Taking steps, Lord. They're, they're on the cross right next to you saying, Jesus, I, I need you. I am dead. I am dead inside. I'm, I'm alive, but there's nothing inside of me that's alive. Lord, save them. Grace them with your salvation. Grace them with the abundant life that you promised. Grace them with everything that you are. Lord, that guilt and that shame, let it melt away in your presence. I'm not saying that we don't remember, but we realize what you did for us covers. It covers our sins. It washes away. It makes us clean. It makes us new. 
not because of us. Jesus, because you hung on that cross for us. Your blood washes us clean, makes us new. And so Lord, we celebrate that this morning. And Lord, if there's some believers in here or watching or listening online, if there's some believers in here, they just bought the lie. Lord, they walked into your presence or into your place. Look, I know we're not perfect and we make things, we don't always make the right decision, but God, the good news is, is we have a relationship with you. We can always come into your holy of holies. We can come into your courts and we can talk to you. We can receive from you and we can shift. Whatever we did that made us feel that way, we can shift. We can receive your heart and we can shift. And so God, I pray that for those that are here today. That they wouldn't live a life full of guilt and shame, that they live a life full of freedom, full of victory, full of hope, full of abundant life. And we can only find that in you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead us to truth. That's why you, the Holy Spirit, that's why you came and that's why you're in us. Lead us to truth, which means sometimes we're not following truth. Sometimes we're following a lie, but we need your guidance. We need your correction. We need your direction. And so do that today for every person listening or in this room. Do that today. Turn our dead life into life. Turn it into a, a life that is pointing to you in every way. Lord, we love you. We thank you. That's in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said. Amen. Give them a hand, everyone that made decisions. There's many. We're proud of you. We're proud of you. Let me just tell you this. Maybe you haven't heard it in a long time. Jesus is proud of you. He's not mad at you. He is so proud of you. We're proud of you as a church. I'm proud of you as your pastor. It's the best decision that you can make. Please, please, please do me one favor. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. You can tell me, you can tell the altar teams, you can tell someone outside, but you tell somebody because we want to walk with you. We want to walk with you. You don't have to do this alone. We love you guys. God bless you. Let's worship together one more time, and Carrie will dismiss you here shortly.